0: Welcome to episode eleven of Mancy, a podcast about the history of magic and its impact on our culture. Each episode, we cover a different method of Mancy or method of magic. I'm R.J. Walker. I'm a spoken word artist and writer. With me is my co-host L. Elle.
1: I'm L. Alder. I've been a professional psychic for seven years, and I'm a solitary eclectic witch.
0: Last week, we went over psychometry and how psychic detectives used it to track down missing persons and solve murders. Well, tried (laughs) to track down missing persons and (laughs) solve murders Psychic detectives are fraught with some really mixed results. And when the stakes are this high, mistakes can have devastating results, which is why psychic detectives are used as a very last resort. One of the most common methods these psychic detectives use is psychomancy or psychometry. The ability to divine things by touching, examining, or, you know, spiritually feeling an object, uh, place, or something. Uh, According to the magical law of contagion, objects contain the leftover energy of the people who handled them. A psychic or magician can use these objects to establish a link between souls. That's, I think, kind of like the key thing, is that you establish a link between souls. This is part two of Psychometry. Now, before we get started, I have an extra spell courtesy of our sponsor, Yay! Wasatch Wearables. Um, the last extra spell was about the holy relic known as the Lance of Longinus, the spear that pierced Jesus' side. But just as objects are believed to be imbued with holy power or divine power, there are cursed objects as well. And you're probably familiar with some of these objects from pop culture the cursed Annabelle doll. Mm. Actually a real doll that they based the movie off of, uh, for example. There are other haunted dolls such as the um, Letta the G-word doll or Robert the cursed sailor doll. (laughs) No, Robert is scary as fuck. Robert is way scarier than Annabelle. Look it up. You'll get nightmares. Um, But when it comes to exploring the law of contagion and how objects can get just charged with these Bad vibes, as they (laughs) say. Uh, I'd like to talk about cursed paintings in this extra spell. And, L, I'm going to show you some cursed fucking Uh. paintings. The first is called The Crying Boy, painted by Giovanni Bregolin.
1: Uh, This
0: painting and prints of it were widely distributed in the 1950s, uh, as well as similar paintings by the same painter or different painter, simply because it was just a trend to paint crying toddlers, I guess. It's quite simply just the painting of a young boy with tears running down his face. There's tons of paintings just like it. They sell them at flea markets. Um, It was just kind of a a weird trend. Okay. Okay. And then the house fires began.
1: Mm.
0: Homes that had burned to the ground would be found with the painting of the crying boy lying face down in the wreckage, completely intact, totally unburned. The painting being the only surviving object in many of these fires led people to believe that crying boy paintings were cursed. People would hold bonfire parties of these paintings to try and destroy them. They would crush them, cut them up to try and end the curse. But the paintings didn't seem to want to burn. And I'm going to show you the picture of the crying boy. This is one of the original crying boy pictures. Sorry, I'm rotating my laptop. Does that look haunted?
1: No, it just looks really sad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just a crying toddler. They cry all the time. Fucking toddlers, it's normal.
1: I mean, it just looks like a little boy who's just got some big, fat crocodile tears, you know? Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, it wasn't until a British comedian, and this is true, a comedian, uh, Steve Punt, did some research and found out that the factory that reproduced the paintings treated them with an extra layer of flame retardant varnish <laughs> and the location uh, of the hanging wire that were on these paintings would cause them to fall down, like fall face down after it was burned away. <laughs> 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 literally, there was people were like fanatically freaking out about this in the 80s, uh, about these it cursed crying boy paintings. They don't
1: even like they're... It's not even bad vibes. It's just a weird painting that I wouldn't want in my house. Like, I don't know who would want to be excited about someone being sad, but okay. like
0: The next one uh, is, this is one genuinely, it's also like my favorite looking, okay. but it is genuinely like bad vibes, spooky. Okay. It's titled The Hands Resist Him and it's painted by Bill Stoneham in 1972. Uh, It depicts a five year old boy next to a life size doll of a little girl. Behind them is a large window with numerous hands pressed against the glass. And I must say, the painting is quite evocative. <laughs> uh, it looks haunted for sure. Okay. Uh, so it's sold from the gallery Bill displayed it in, and the man who bought it died, and it ended up hanging in a tavern. And then it continued to change hands in 2000 when it was listed on this newfangled website called eBay.
1: eBay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and the description of it said that the painting was Haunted. Uh, the listing said that the figures in the painting would move. One time, the girl doll was holding a gun to the boy's head. Another time, they said that the boy left the painting entirely and they saw him standing in the corner of the room. There were reports that children would scream upon seeing it and hot blasts of air would come from the painting. The price of the painting shot up on eBay mm-hmm. from a $100. To $1,000. And with all the hype, somebody contacted Bill. (laughs) They're like, Bill, everybody says your painting is haunted. And Bill was shocked to find these (laughs) stories of the haunting. He said the painting was meant to depict him in his childhood. And the window with the hands represents the threshold into the future. And each hand is a new possibility for what could happen. And the doll was meant to be his guide through, you know, this uncertain future. Um, The painter did confirm, though, that the owner of the gallery he displayed it in and the critic who reviewed it died within one year of viewing the painting. Okay. This is the painting. Oh, yeah. It fucking looks haunted. It looks haunted for sure. I can understand a child seeing this and screaming.
1: Like... The... I totally see like a face back there, like a huge face. That's like on the window panes above the doll. Um, it just looks like there's like this like face like creeping out around the the door. That's like like a monster, like gonna eat him.
0: One of the um urban legends about it. Oh
1: my god, it does look like a gun. Fuck. Okay, that really scared me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Whoa.
0: <laughs> but it's. It, it, according to the artist, it's it's not a gun,
1: but it straight up looked like one. Yeah, yeah, that's bad vibes. The more I look at it, the worse it gets.
0: He said that it was just like a clutch of of wires meant to represent technology advancing. Um, but a lot of the theory about the painting is that um, the window represents the spirit world, and the hands are the spirits trying to get in. Yeah, uh, and the boy is standing in front of it, and the doll is channeling the spirits and trying to stop the boy from guarding this door. That's why the boy has a gun held to his head and why he's trying to run away. Um the very spooky urban legends. It's one of those like old internet creepy pastas that yeah. like in the in the olden times on the internet in like Blair Witch Project era yeah. of internet creepy times. Um, But, yeah, the artist is just like, oh, I didn't put a ghost in it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, bro. <laughs> like, this is scary. and Are you okay, known that. Though? You should have known that when you <laughs> painted this, that this shit was scary as fuck. Yeah. And, like, I get it. Paint scary things. I love scary things being well, painted. Well, I think,
1: I mean, that is a really scary thing. Like, as an artist looking back on when you're growing up, it is really scary to think about everything changing and how you're going to become an adult and, like, being hopeful to have someone with you. But, like, why did you make the doll the same size? You. That's fucking weird. And
0: the doll just gives you so much uncanny valley. You it know? does. It looks like fucking Slappy from Goosebumps.
1: And the hands are most definitely whole, ominous. And
0: the object is so obscure as to what it is. Like, how would you know?
1: Yeah, it straight up looks like a gun because the wires, like, hit up against a window pane, like, in the same tone. So it makes it look like she's literally holding a gun to him.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally... Like, I totally, I totally buy that this painting isn't haunted, that the people on eBay were just trying to inflate the price so that they mm-hmm. could fucking sell it because it's just a spooky painting.
1: I would be lying if I said that I haven't tried to talk RJ into buying a bunch of dolls with me and me telling him what spirits are inside of them and then him writing a story that goes along with them so we can just become millionaires. Like yeah, I, just, I've definitely tried to do that so many go times. Go to the
0: thrift store, buy, like, random dolls, this and then just like tell everyone they're haunted. A
1: year into us knowing each other, and I was <laughs> yeah. like, RJ, let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like I'm, i clear, I clearly wasn't reinventing the wheel with that idea, but yeah. um, <laughs> this one might just be the most haunted painting in the goddamn world. Um, I don't know.
1: John Wayne Gacy's clown paintings are bad. This
0: one is worse. <laughs> I have seen John Wayne Gacy's paintings. Okay. And if you remember earlier when you were when I was like, oh, sorry, I, I, I kind of got creeped out. is because I accidentally opened up one of my tabs to this painting and I looked at it and felt immediately cursed. I was like, what a terrible day to have eyes but, <laughs> <laughs> to have seen this. Oh
1: no, my eye, my face eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's like this little like window in our recording studio that goes into like a hallway and there's no one here but the entire time i was like talking through the last um recording session rj was like looking out the window behind me like he just kept doing it and then i saw the weird little ghost when i was reading uh, it's spooky it's spooky today Today is a spooky so, day. so
0: this painting is called the anguished man and it's been the subject of internet urban legend for a long time. Uh, the difference is that it doesn't seem to be part of any sort of like money-making racket. Um, okay. It is a portrait of a humanoid figure with a face twisted in scream with two gaping holes for eyes and a gaping mouth. Perfect. I would say it is aptly named. It captures the feeling of anguish. If somebody were like paint anguish, and they painted this, they, they be like, would, yeah. I'd, I'd be like, you get first prize. Nobody can top this. Um, so the story goes that the painting passed to its current owner by his grandmother after she died. She told him that the painting was cursed and that she had seen the shadow of a man standing in front of the painting, staring at it multiple times. The owner of the painting, Sean Robinson, said that he would hear unexplained banging from the room the painting was in. Both his father and his son were pushed down the stairs in the middle of the night when he acquired the painting by an unseen force. Uh, He would hear uncontrolled sobbing from the room the painting was stored in. And when he would open the door, the sounds would stop. Uh, It was enough for him to conduct a full-blown paranormal investigation, setting up a camera and recording for days. Um, A lot of the camera footage captured little... Like wisps, mm-hmm. little will-o'-the-wisps. Um, and one night, he captured this video of the painting falling over on his on its own. And I'm going to show You're you. You're going
1: to make me watch this video? I'm going to
0: show you the video. I
1: am going to get spooked. <laughs> I was, like, teasing RJ. I was like, I'm going to have to cuddle-puddle tonight. But for real, like. And
0: if you look really carefully <gasps> above where the painting was sit- sitting, you'll see one of those will-o'-the-wisps. Uh, anyway, oh, here, is, here is the video. And you can see the painting as the background and the time that he recorded.
1: Okay. Does that look
0: scary as fuck?
1: You know, I always worry about artists, but especially now. Okay. No, mm -mm, I don't like that. Where was Oh no, uh-uh. Mm-mm, mm-mm mm-mm. No 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 <laughs> no. I burned the house. No no
0: no 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 the house.
1: Do not call me to come clear your house if you have this. I'm not coming. <laughs>
0: so um, No,
1: absolutely not. Like
0: reading about this guy's paranormal investigation with the painting is just fuck wild. He contacted other paranormal investigators, and they took it to um, some of the most haunted locations in the UK, including 35 Stonegate at York and Chillingham Castle. And while the painting was at Chillingham Castle, mm-hmm. uh, an entire bench was thrown across the room. I'm
1: sorry, I just remember the painting falling over and I got the creeps. <laughs> it's so
0: <laughs> creepy. That's why when I saw the picture of it, like the thumbnail of the... Yeah, man, the hands. I was hands. like, mm, no nope. uh, But... Uh, it was at the... A bench got pushed across yeah, a whole bench got hucked across the room, and they're saying that it was one of the most aggressive ghosts in the castle, um, responding to the malevolent presence within the painting.
1: Should I? Do you want me to share one of like the spookier like ghost stories I have? Um. Yes. Okay. So there is in. Utah. There's a town that's called Tooele which you know if people are from Utah Tula. because they, they say too-ly. Um It's
0: the Wyoming of Utah.
1: It is the Wyoming of Utah. It's, yeah, <laughs> um, There's some great parts of Wyoming but it's the Wyoming of Utah. So anyway there's this old hospital there out in Tooele, and Oh yeah this hospital? Yeah the hospital. It's like a. it's been several different things but it is one of the most haunted places in Utah and like Ghost Adventures has done a few different investigations there. I actually um, in my early days of being a medium probably six years ago my friend and i bought tickets to go do a paranormal investigation there with um i think ghost hunters international okay i just wanted to go do like some spooky shit i've
0: gone there with grim ghost tours
1: yeah like there's there's all sorts like that's where people go when you want to be freaked out that's where you go and i've gone and done actually a couple of paranormal investigations there just like as groups you can just buy tickets it's creepy it's fun you know and um I was there, and because we were with Ghost Hunters International, they had, um, like, members of their team's leading investigations. So one time we're going into one of the rooms, like one of the hospital rooms, and it's apparently one of the more haunted ones, and we're going to do an EVP session. And there's probably eight of us in the room. We kind of walk in, and there's this chair that's sitting in the corner of the room. and I, like, looked at it, and I was like, I'm not going to sit there. That's not going to happen. And so the – you know, so I'm just kind of standing. That's not a thing when you do paranormal investigation, especially EVP, because you need everything to be as silent as it possibly can. So when you're recording, you can hear voices on the recording, and it isn't like – Yeah. Like that, you know, or like – you don't want that when you're listening for EVPs. So – um. The paranormal investigator comes in and she's like, can you please sit down so you're not making noise? And I was like, no, I'm not going to sit in that chair. And she was like, all right. And everyone's like, okay, sure. I was like, no, I'm a medium. I'm not going to sit in that chair. Whatever – like whoever that chair belongs to, I'm good. I don't need to do that. So I like sat on the ground and everyone was like – this fucking bitch, like, just in here, in this room, <laughs> refusing to sit in this chair with this paranormal investigator being like, no, I'm good. So then um, they had, like, uh, volunteers that had known the hospital come around with us as well. So one of the volunteers that was going to tell us about the room came in, and she was like, okay, so this is a room of a man who was an Alzheimer's patient. And he was really, really grumpy, and he died in this room. Um, that chair over there, actually, so it was the chair wasn't going to sit in. She points to the chair and she says... That chair is where the most attacks happen in this room. People will sit in it and they'll get scratches or they'll feel burning. Like, they people, they don't, he doesn't want people to sit in that chair. And everyone in the room just turned and looked at me and I was like, I'm not fucking sitting in the chair. You
0: you did the psychometry. I fucking told you. You I
1: I knew. I was like, no, ma'am. So anyway, that kind of reminds me of, like, those moments when you're just like, it's spooky. Like, I do ghost shit and it was spooky.
0: Um, so that that uh, hospital is called Asylum Forty Nine. Uh, it's
1: now a haunted house, and yeah,
0: they they've tur- they turned it into part a haunted it. house, but they still do like ghost tours and stuff. Um, and it actually does benefit like the local behavioral health center. Um, yeah, when and they, they do actually, the ghost tours and stuff. So
1: because it's a converted hospital, they actually take in like the owners of it who do the um, haunted house because they have the whole building, and then they rent out part of it as a community center. The other part is a haunted house, and they have some of the hospital beds, um, like rooms, still set up. So they'll take in um uh, people like young kids not young kids but like teenagers and young adults who don't have anywhere to live and they'll let them have one of the rooms when they work for them so it's a, it's a, like an awesome company there are great people it's really cool it's like part of our like history kind of in utah um definitely worth checking out and they do cool shit but it is it's really really haunted <laughs> is what it is
0: Uh, The paranormal investigation of the Englishman is still ongoing, I should say. They're still gathering evidence. Um, But that was the extra spell brought to you by Wasatch Wearables. (laughs) Um, Wasatch Wearables specializes in dye-subliminated products. The ink chemically binds with polyester fibers and fabric to substrate when heated. There is absolutely no feel to the design, and it will last the lifetime of the garment. This method is superior to other ink transfers like vinyl and screen printing, which can crack and fade over time. They can subliminate onto signs, tote bags, mugs, masks, business cards, ornaments, shirts, sweatshirts, aprons, ties, and tons, tons of stuff. They can sublimate on anything. They can sublimate a tattoo on your tongue if they, if you want. I don't think they can do that. We should
1: ask. Uh, I don't know. But we should we could, we <laughs> ask.
0: You can find Wasatch wearables on Facebook, Instagram, and Etsy. Use promo code Mancy for ten percent off your purchase. And they're going to be making some rad merch for us. They sent us the samples. It looks really good. So stay tuned for when we have Mancy merch uh, available. If you want to be a Stancy, um, <laughs> now onto our main topic. Let's go. If we're talking about how energy gets put into objects, work, works of art, you know, just like must be like fucking batteries, yeah, uh, for for energy. Like I put so much like emotion into a poem That's when I why, write. I um, imagine a painter does something similar.
1: Yes, but like theaters, you know how theaters always feel haunted. It's because there's so much energy there, and ghosts are attracted to that. They like feed on that.
0: So maybe the English man painting is just like for a creepypasta. Um, <laughs> but it certainly has an effect on people. Like when I looked at it, it freaks me the hell out. Yeah, um, And like any work of art, that is very real. Um, so when we're talking about psychometry, the closer a person is or was to the object, the more effective the psychometry will be. And now we're going to talk – about how psychic detectives successfully used psychometry um, and other means to solve cold cases. All right. Now, last week, uh, we went over some of the psychic detectives... Uh, who have failed, locating missing persons.
1: Not all the time. To some examples of that. Yeah, to
0: tragic effect. Uh, Even telling loved ones that that they were dead when they were very much alive, totally breaking their hearts. But there are also times when the psychic detective did have the uncanny ability to find missing persons, or their bodies anyway. I mean, if there weren't success stories, the TV shows probably wouldn't be so entertaining. Uh, Of course... Psychic detectives are in a bit of a catch-22. You don't want to ignore them entirely, but you don't want to listen to them entirely either. So in Sydney, Australia in 1996, a psychic by the name of Philip Durant was hired by the fiancé of Paula Brown, who had gone missing. The fiancé provided Philip with a sample of Paula's hair, and the psychic used a map and a pendulum in conjunction with psychometry from her hair, Philip pointed to a location in Port Botany, New South Wales. Uh, Philip told the police, and the police took it under advisement.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't really take the information seriously. Then a truck driver found Paula's body at less than two kilometers Kilometers.
1: Kilometers. Kilometers.
0: Uh, from the location <laughs> Philip had pointed out.
1: I love Australian accents. This is so good.
0: The police had to admit that the speculation by the clairvoyant was uncannily accurate. <laughs> Sorry. My Australian could use a little work. Um, on, oh, I mate, That was uncannily accurate you did there. Um, <laughs> you found her. <laughs> Jiminy Cricket. Um, I was going to say, no. there needs
1: to be, like, you know, Canadian. You know, like, hey. You know, like, everyone thinks they say A. Hey, they don't. They say hey. <laughs> anyway.
0: So um, one of the wild cases I found um, was the disappearance of Amy St. Laurent from Portland, Maine in 2001. She had been missing for five days, and the police were completely stumped. So the deputy chief uh, reached out to a psychic radio personality.
1: This is honestly what I want to do, but we've moved past radios, and now we're podcasting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's just this psychic who's on the radio, like, telling people's horoscopes and shit and doing psychic readings for them and medium readings for them. Her name was Vicki Monroe, and she got a call from the deputy chief who explained the case and how she might be able to help. According to Vicky, as the deputy chief spoke through the phone, the missing girl began to appear before her, like her ghost materialized in front of her. And the more the chief spoke... The clearer Amy's ghost became to Vicky, who was writing down the details of the ghost with a pen and pad. She was able to describe the clothes Amy was wearing, and she was able to accurately predict where Amy worked. Then, Amy's ghost whispered the name of her killer. Jeff. My name Jeff. (laughs) Jeff.
1: I'm just thinking about how this should be what they run everyone through before they take them on as a psychic detective. They should be like, all right, sit down, tell us everything. Like, we're not even going to tell – we're going to give you the name. You get the name and nothing else in this moment. And you tell us every detail you can. And if you get them all right, then you can give us advice <laughs> on what's happening. Anyway, Jeff. Jeff killed My name Jeff. Um, it was the
0: name of the killer, according to Amy's ghost. And that she was under something and could not get out. Help get me out. The, and uh, a lot of this is like the chief spoke through the phone and she's holding the phone. and It's like the chief's words are like helping materialize
1: this well, ghost. so you've heard me call it threads. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so when you're reading, I guess depending on how you read, um, if you find the energy thread and someone gives it to you and like depending on his connection. So basically she would be going through – the police the detectives energy connected to that energy and so it would be kind of circuit circuitous like around through that but then the more details you get the stronger you can pull that energy through so it isn't necessary but when you're doing that and you get more details it makes it stronger to hold on to like you get more context which means you can go deeper into the thing.
0: Well, turns out this was actually important confirmation for the police because the last person seen with Amy was a man named Jeffrey Gorman. (laughs) Ah. Uh, He was brought in for questioning by the police and admitted being seen with Amy at a nightclub and then a house party after that, and then he dropped her back off at the nightclub. He didn't offer anything particularly incriminating, though. Uh he knew a lot of the staff at the nightclub and he would often take girls to VIP areas or to house parties. And he was just like, the man, he, Jeff, you know, the bouncer, and get us in. What's
1: up? Jeff in. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: there was only one flaw in his story, though. Uh, the security cameras at the jewelry store across from the nightclub ca- captured Jeffrey leaving with Amy.
1: But never coming back. But
0: there was no footage of his car dropping her back off.
1: Because why would he have done that? Like, that's bullshit. I can just tell you right now, that's not what happened. Yeah,
0: he was like, well, Amy didn't like the house party. So, she so I just to took her home. I, I, I took just, her back you know, the nightclub.
1: She, she found me that night, and we didn't know each other. And she was like, hey, Jeff, I don't want to spend any more time with you. Can you take me back to the uh, nightclub? And I was like, yeah, yeah. man. Like, yeah. This is a oh, problem. Totally, totally not, not going to murder you. I totally yeah. get bitches who always want to have sex with me. I don't need to do that with you. Like, of course, that's what happened. That's always what happens, right?
0: Yeah. Well, the red flags kept popping off around <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> uh Based on interviews with Jeffrey's friends, he always had a really messy, dirty car. Okay. Like, I, I kind of get that way, too. Like, mm-hmm. my car gets really messy. Uh, but the day after Amy disappeared, he, he had cleaned the car immaculately. And once the police <laughs> found bad. that out, he was suspect number one. Yeah. Just as the psychic detective, Vicki Monroe, predicted Uh, The psychic continues to have visions of Amy, but they get more powerful. They turn into more like a picture show. Uh, Amy shows her where her body is located and um, Vicky feels this energy from a house that she's shown. Like there's this house that had important uh, energy connections to Jeff – you know, wooded area. So she was able to do the, like, soul link, like, from the house to Jeff. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> and uh, uh, she also showed um, Vicky, like, you know, walking through the woods in this wooded area uh, and that it was wet and cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also you know, the middle of the winter. It was December in Portland, Maine.
1: Maine is, yeah, the weather there is not that nice. It's cold there.
0: This connection would prove to be Jeff's downfall as Vicky reported her vision to the investigators. Uh, and they said, that's interesting because that sounds a lot like Jeffrey's mother's house. Um, oh, which he would visit all the time. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> Love that. So the police scoured the woods in that area with cadaver dogs, but the cold December ground made their job really difficult, mm-hmm. and it would only get more difficult if it were to snow again. Then the, cadaver, the body would be buried under snow, and the cadaver dogs would not be able to find her. Uh, Amy's mom paid the psychic a visit, bringing her a scrapbook full of pictures of Amy. And Vicky used the book to once again perform psychometry and channel Amy's spirit for her mom, and just offer some comforting words yeah. like,
1: like you "I'm should. I'm
0: not suffering," you know, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, once they're on the other side, they're fine.
0: Yeah, they just don't understand uh, time, I guess.
1: There's a lot of things. I mean, it depends on how they die and, like, what state of mind they're in. But, yeah, time is not real. Also, people, when they die, like, don't have the same suffering stuff that we do. More times than anything, if there's any negative feeling, people feel super guilty for dying.
0: Um, So the police stumbled into an area where the dirt was soft, which mm-hmm. like super weird for the middle of the middle of m- winter, winter in, in Maine. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: and the look and location in the woods. Dude, how did he
1: woods, like dig it up? Like that's one of the things. A that's shovel. Super... A
0: shovel. I'm guessing. The... God,
1: that must have taken him so long. Yeah, well,
0: maybe he did it during the day and it was like wet, so it was like mud, so it was easier to move. Oh um, yeah, but. Uh, it was literally walking distance from Jeffrey's mother's house.
1: What <laughs> He was asking for it. In the woods. Oh, my God. What an uh, idiot.
0: They excavated it and found a heavy piece of plywood.
1: Mm. Um, I was going to say she feels like she's under a rock is mm. what I was saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they move all the dirt and there's just this heavy piece of plywood. And under the plywood is Amy's body.
1: Why did he bury her under? Like, why did he put wood on top of her?
0: Probably to throw off cadaver dogs.
1: Oh, like to just and distract to and to make the, the ground
0: seem less disturbed as the body decayed.
1: Oh, I guess because it would like hold it up. But so mm-hmm. does wood decays though.
0: Yes, but not at the same rate as like a corpse.
1: Okay, it's fine. Uh,
0: but it was also winter, so it was probably going to freeze. Yeah. Um, but uh, when they when they move the plywood. They saw a gray sweatshirt that matched the description the psychic mm. gave the very first time that the chief called her.
1: Dude, yes.
0: Um, and also, like, with all that wet dirt on top of her, uh, she did have something heavy, like, help get me out. Like, yeah, she's,
1: yeah, it's stuck.
0: Yeah, and um, Jeffrey Gorman was arrested and charged with first-degree murder after he confessed in court.
1: This okay, but I think this is an example of a psychic who did everything right. You know, like she's just chilling, she's bopping on her on her on her <laughs> radio radio show, show. Uh, doing 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 some horoscopes, doing some tarot cards, and I mean, but so you can tell here that like there was consent from the woman who died. Who, like, came to her and was like, yes, help find this. This is who did it. Probably, honestly, though, she was really mad about being killed. <laughs> which I mean, like, who wouldn't be upset? Yeah. I would be upset. But that's a lot of times what happens is, like, them being like, now we're going to get some revenge. In the case of the woman that we talked about last week up in Canada, um, who they still haven't found, that's, like, she's on the other side. She's done. She obviously doesn't feel like there's something to talk about. So stop trying to, like connect all the pieces like this this ghost came through the spirit came through and gave her all of the information and then you know what she did she offered some comforting words to her mom and helped her with that like this is the way to do it not when you're like seeking to be famous
0: um, I mean, I think it helps that she was already a little bit famous from the radio show that she well, didn't feel I like she had to like climb the, the like celebrity, celebrity ladder. I, mean,
1: is it not disturbing that people are using dead people to climb the, the celebrity ladder? Is that not awful? Anyone who thinks that's okay, I don't like you. Like, that's horrific, you know?
0: Yeah. And also like, um, I think that the psychic and the police department were both like, that's interesting information,
1: but we're going to actually
0: get evidence. Well, like
1: Very clearly, he was an idiot and was going to get caught. It didn't matter. It basically was like confirmation. And I think more than anything, confirmation for the girl's mom to know that she really had, like that the psychic really was connected. And probably that psychic helped her mom a lot. And that's what we should focus on. But yeah, approaching things is like... Hmm, that's interesting because, again, like, spirits give the weirdest information that you, like, have to piece together and you find out 10 years down the line. You're like, oh, okay, that's what that meant, you know? Yeah,
0: and I, I watched an interview with another psychic detective where it was just, like, a straight interview about what it's like to be a psychic detective. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, some people just don't want to be found.
1: Yeah, no, that's the – like, that's the thing I think that bothers me is, like – um Sorry that the Canadian girl very obviously was like, yeah, I know y'all are working on this, but I don't really I'm not really interested in being found. And maybe she was like horribly disfigured. Maybe she had been, you know, assaulted several different times and just it was horrific. And any information anyone was going to find out about how she died would just cause more pain than good, you know? And I think that happens a lot. And that's true of any psychic thing. Like, I can pretty much read whatever, but people will come to me and they don't want, they don't want to, they're not ready to face what I have Mm -hmm. to say or what the thing is. So then it won't come through.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, the psychic in the interview, she said that there was one such case where she was looking for somebody who went backpacking in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And there weren't a lot of details just for confidentiality. Yeah, but she said that every single step of the way when she was trying to locate this person, it was just resistance, resistance resistance, misinformation, and she said that she would literally hike this trail over and over and over again to try to find trace of this guy and eventually, like, she found him just, like, living in the woods like a hermit.
1: Like, leave me the fuck alone! Yeah, and he was just like,
0: leave me alone and she was like, okay, I was hired by your family to find you, and he was like, go away leave me
1: the fuck alone! Go away
0: he didn't want to be found, Right. you know Um, and
1: I think, like, that's the thing that, like, I think is so weird about the information age, is that, like Do we not owe some courtesy to people to just letting them live their life the way that they want to?
0: Or die their death, I guess.
1: That's the thing is, like, if someone's ready to go, fucking let them go. Like, it's their choice in a lot of ways. And when these people, like, move on, people, like, will constantly pull information through or they come and they're like, please tell me my mother's deepest, darkest secret. And I'm like, why do you think that she wants you to know that now? Like, maybe if you were supposed to know you would have known when she was alive. And I get that a lot of, like, you know, spirits are still people. They're still, like, their memory is still intact. It's still human. It's still this thing with privacy and wants and needs. And, like, I, you know, I would be one of those people that if something really awful happened to me and someone did kidnap me and they just, like, destroyed my body, I would hope that no one ever found me. Because my parents don't need to go through that. Nobody needs to go through that, like, the pain and suffering and the grieving that that causes. Mm -hmm. You know? Anyway...
0: Well, the police said that the psychic was actually quite helpful. (laughs) (laughs) According to the deputy chief, uh, the information provided by the psychic, while they obviously can't use that as any kind of evidence, they said that it stimulated conversation among the investigators. And that that conversation helped them develop questions. And those questions led to more conversation that helped them find information. Um,
1: Which is how you should always use psychics. If you go and get a tarot card reading, that's what it should be. It's food for thought for you to kind of take in, digest, think about. How does it apply to you? Always take your readings with a grain of salt. Like the second that you start believing someone is like inherently always true and correct and the right thing all the time, uh, you're going to get into some problems. It's like how yeah. cults get started. That's some cult shit. Yeah.
0: Um, Vicky is still a practicing psychic today. I want to offering... be her friend.
1: If you well, listen to this, Vicky, I want to be your friend.
0: You can go to her website, VickyMonroe.com. I'm going to shoot
1: her an email. Uh,
0: she offers <laughs> multiple services including psychic investigation work for which she charges $400 an hour.
1: Maybe we could trade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry someone called me a fraud for trading my services on Twitter and I'm I'm bitter about it. So, it's fine. I mean, they
0: you offered to pay them.
1: I know I did. I had this client who was like telling me we were just kind of going over stuff. And she had told me that she was um, doing some like electrician work with her partner. And I was like, yo, I have this light that I haven't been able to get fixed because COVID time has made it really hard to like get someone to schedule to come out to fix my light in my house. So she and I were talking about it. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to come over and do this for you. And I don't like getting free stuff. So I always trade or like trade money or I'm like, hey, I would love to help and pay you like i'd rather pay someone i know well to come do it anyway i posted about on twitter and someone called me a fraud and then when i was like i'm not a fraud i actually offered to pay her he was like well it's too bad you're just so poor so anyway i'm a fraud and i steal everyone's money and i'm still poor which is tough it's just tough out here for a psychic (laughs)
0: um yeah anyway um, (laughs) psychic detectives next time yeah i hit the (laughs) ball. Next time we're going to talk about psychic heists. Um, yes. <laughs> um, are there psychic heists? I'm going to have to look into
1: that. I feel like every person, you know, if you're do, if you're in, if you're deep in that criminal life, you probably use some kind of magic to help you out, or you should. If you don't. <laughs>
0: Um, so this was our exploration of psychometry through uh, psychic detectives, um, connecting objects to uncover hidden meaning. And I'm certain we will return to the topic of psychic detectives in the future. They have so many methods that are all varied. There's a lot of mancy happening.
1: Yeah, the psychic
0: detectives. Um, now we've got another object. Okay. It is a piece of my favorite chair. Yay! Um, it was broken off. Rip. Rocking chair. Um, the chair was uh, an antique from an old polygamist house um, I used to live in. Um, the The house itself was built in like the early 1900s around the time when Lorenzo Snow said, no more polygamy. Don't you do none of that polygamy now? <laughs> and people were doing it anyway because of course they did. They're not going to break up the whole family because Lorenzo Snow said so. And it caused right. multiple schisms within the church. Um
1: that would be tough.
0: Like you, you went to the mansion. We called it the mansion. It's a yeah. dilapidated old house. It's literally a slum house. Yeah, um, that I had to fix up myself. I had to clean it out myself. The landlord was a hoarder, and there was junk in every room. Tons of haunted shit happened yeah. in that house and you know what I just ignored it and it went away Uh RJ
1: really didn't have the option of being like I don't want to live here like that was not a thing so you just make it work yeah
0: it was either homeless or uh ghosts
1: ghosts yeah
0: and the only piece of furniture I had for a long time was just this one rocking chair that I kept to be a gaming chair and so I did a lot of my my gaming in this chair um, <laughs> but yeah the there was one time um, where I was in my room sleeping in my room Um, and this is when I first got a mattress, like I found a mattress inside of the road and I was like, this is the mattress. And I put it on top of a futon frame that I got. Literally this futon was like $10 on Craigslist. Uh, and I show up and it's this, like the the futon pad is just like stained. Uh, and, and the lady, and I'm like, okay, $10 for this. And she was like, you know what? Just take it.
1: Just – I'm so sorry for you. Just (laughs) take it away from me. And I was
0: like, sweet. I don't have to sleep on the floor anymore. Anyway, I'm sleeping. uh, And then right by my head, I hear this loud bang. Like someone just slapped the wall. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? So I get up and I look out my door and there's this black spot on the wall. And I rub my finger on it and it's like soot. Mm. And I was like, hmm. That's some demon shit. So I wiped it off with a paper towel and flushed it down the toilet. And I didn't have a garbage can at the time, really. Yeah. Uh, And I didn't want to walk all the way outside to the bin. (laughs) So, uh, and that happened at exactly like 3 a.m. I go back to bed. A week later, same day of the week, 3 a.m., I believe it was Wednesday, 3 a.m., I hear another really loud bang. uh, And I was like, ah, fucking shit. And I get up, and this time the black spot is on my side of the wall next to my head.
1: Mm-hmm. And I was like, you
0: fucking jerks. And I like, wipe it up and flush it down the toilet.
1: But that's the approach you have to have with ghosts. It's just <laughs> like, can you not, though, like, what are the options with you just not fucking doing that? Like, yeah. that's how you have to handle ghosts. Yeah, I
0: was like, I don't believe in you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? you, you going to try to put shit on my wall? What, okay. if I, what if I just said, uh, hey, I don't believe in you. There's shit on my wall. Who knows why?
1: Well, so the thing is, is that, like, RJ is actually very intuitive and very in touch with this stuff. But, like, it's so much easier. And through years of religious programming, it's really (laughs) easy to just pretend like it isn't real. Um, And ghosts are naturally attracted to people who can see and hear and think them. If you're – think them. Think about them. If you're listening to this podcast and you find yourself the slightest bit intrigued by there being a psychic, you're psychic, you're an intuitive, you believe in this, and ghosts can see you. Guarantee it. That's just how it works. You have, like, this little light bulb above your head that tells the ghost. Ghosts, hey, I can in some way sense you. And then they're more attracted to you. A lot of times ghosts are not actually trying to harm you in any way, shape, or form. They're just trying to get attention.
0: Yeah. So It's, it's like Yu Yu Hakusho when sure. um, Kuwabara gets the tickle feeling. Yeah. Um,
1: I, Do you think that people like understand when you give these references? There's got to be
0: at least one person. Who, there's a weeb you listens Yu, to Yu Yu Hakusho them. is one of the titular anime. It was overshadowed by Dragon Ball Z, but I would say it is just as good as Dragon Ball Z for at least the first two or three seasons. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <laughs> In defense of anime, <laughs> Listen,
0: I will fight you
1: <laughs>
0: over Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs>
1: Anyway. So good,
0: and then uh, and then they went on to make Tokyo Ghoul, which we started yeah, watching. Yeah, we did as
1: start well. watching. Um, RJ has a theory that I'm to I'm a Tokyo Ghoul because I have all sorts of weird eating things that I like can't eat most Just only, of the time. Only drink I, coffee. Yeah, most of the time when I do eat, I get sick in some way, shape, or yeah. form. It's
0: like small bites, and then like I'm done.
1: I'm full. I know I eat like five bites, and I'm like I'm good. And then I'm like, oh, I don't. But like feel coffee, good. you guzzle
0: coffee right out the pot.
1: Um yeah, I recently <laughs> had to like cut back on the amount of caffeine I consume to help my brain things and it's it's a ba- it's a bad time in the in you know the world for me. Hold
0: on, we got to hit the bell. We're yeah, talking we're... too much about anime. <laughs> um
1: okay, we're going to get started we're on this in, chair. We're going
0: to do a psychometry reading on this chair. I want to know the history of the chair and who had it before me.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, so RJ's question with this chair is he wants to know about the chair, the history of the chair, and who owned it. And I immediately got this flash of, like, this grumpy old man who actually, like, the chair was, like, too low for him to sit in for very long. Is is
0: it me? Am I the grumpy old man? No.
1: (laughs) It's like, it's, um, he looks just kind of rough. Like, he looks, um, I, like, I would put, I think that he passed away when he was 75 but like he really loved the chair except he couldn't sit in it like it was too low and i actually think it was like a gift or um she got this from the di you don't know. There's no way that no idea. Know. Okay, I was gonna, just in the house? I'm gonna say she got this like from a thrift shop. The di uh, where we are from is the Desert Industries, which is like a thrift store that's like run by yeah. the church, Mormon Church thrift yeah. store. Yeah. So um, definitely think that she got this like second. She is in
0: my landlord, my yes. former landlord. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. So um, at like the di and. Um, the man who had it before it went to the DI, I feel like he died when it went to, when it got donated. Um, and I actually, um, see him like moving with this like it feels like it had like a few different homes Um, yes like homes before it came to you it had like two or three different places that it lived Um, this chair is very much weirdly alive like it like wants to talk about it as in like the spirit of the chair Um, and it's time to retire the chair the chair is ready to go to the other (laughs) side quite frankly (laughs) but
0: But it's an old fucking chair. This it, chair looks like it's a fucking hundred years old year old. It really chair. does like it's it, a rocking it's chair, like, too.
1: I would honestly like put it at like um. 1940s or 50s is like when it feels like to me it was made and I like I get it as like this gift to this man like it keeps going back to like this was a present um, and I think one of the things that was really hard for the man who owned it before uh, it went to the thrift store then before it came to you was that this was like a gift from maybe his family or like um, like da- daughter in law I want to say like daughter-in-law or like something like that like not like blood family but family and someone that he was really affectionate towards like someone that he really loved and she got the chair and she was like this is this is like a gift for you like it was supposed to be like a nice thing for him like to belong to him um and then as he got older he was no longer to sit he was no no longer able to sit in it like he couldn't be in it anymore and that to him was like a sign of him like getting old like it felt like just another piece of the puzzle of like him slowly dying and then I think um that was like kind of part of an illness that he had and it feels like maybe um uh it's like with his pancreas. And so I think diabetes. Diabetes or like uh, uh, maybe cancer. No, not cancer. Pancreatitis? something like that it's like it's, some, it's something to do with his pancreas he was getting sick and then like his body just started kind of failing and so he loved the chair but it kind of eventually became like a reminder of this person that he couldn't be anymore and a person like the like a reminder of the things that he'd lost um and i believe it got donated after he died and he's very attached to the chair <laughs> like just his spirit in and of itself is like very very attached to it Um, definitely time to let it go. Yeah, because he's, like, he really liked the, uh, the fabric. Like, he liked the pattern on the fabric. Oh,
0: well, me too, Ghost. It's got this texture. It's lovely.
1: It just feels really good to, like, touch, right? I'm, like, wanting to, like, rub my hand on it and go, like, the, um, the end of the chair has these... Like, it's almost like you could put your fingers in it. Yeah, was, like, really finger grooves. Yeah. Like, you
0: know, like, when you're in, like, uh, elementary school and there was, like, the white painted cinder blocks and you put your finger in, like, the concrete groove between the cinder blocks? Yeah, like, as you're it walking. It feels like that. It's yeah. very, like... It's satisfying. It's very stimmy.
1: Yeah, it's, it is. It's, It's like, a very, like... This is, like, a nice chair. He really loved the chair. Like, the chair is, like... And, honestly, the chair should have died when he did, <laughs> but they should have just let it go with him.
0: But then it came to well, my homeless I think ass. something
1: that's, like, frustrating with the chair with him is like this was something that should have either been like passed down or retired like it shouldn't have been donated it shouldn't be but it have been given to someone else to be used it should have just you know kind of died when he did so there's a little bit of that but like it's not anger at you it's like more like the family for not understanding him and not valuing him and then there's this kind of sadness attached to his like daughter-in-law or whoever gave him this it's like daughter-in-law maybe a niece something like that like someone that you have like They're not close enough in your family that you're required to like them, but you like them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I just – this is my human. That kind of a thing with the chair. So there's a little bit of that kind of – I don't know. It's like a sadness, kind of like a mournful. And items often feel sad or they have, like, that kind of melancholy attached to them, especially when they're well-loved. Yeah, that's what I get from your little – Armchair. on arm. yeah. Well, Rip
0: Gaming Chair, um, I will always remember the times that we spent together uh, when I would stay up all night um, and have memory blackouts because of my severe mental illness going untreated um, <laughs> in that chair. Like literally there would be times where I'd be like playing like um, an RPG or something I'd be like playing like uh, Tales of Symphonia and then like – um, I Sit down to play it again and realize that I'd like beaten like tons of bosses and like did not remember it because I hadn't slept in days, days and just yeah. had memory blackouts because my mental illness was so bad and there was no way to treat it because I was just getting out of homelessness and I had a, a job that was the night shift and so I couldn't handle my insomnia and it was just sitting in that chair like I had two things. I went to work and I sat in that chair. Um, because my bed was super uncomfortable, because um, it was a, a fucking <laughs> futon, <laughs> a pity futon. Uh.
1: <laughs> well, I think, you know, honestly, that's kind of how this guy feels about the chair. There's a lot of that, like, he really loved the chair. Like, it was, like, his thing. Like, you know how people just have that, like, that's, like, the attachment that they have to items. Like, my mom has this chair that has been in our family for a long time. It's, like, 100 years old, and it's this little tiny, like, chair it's just like a seat but like for toddlers like it looks like a nice chair like a sitting chair but for toddlers and my mom just loves that and if i ever like if that if i if my mom crossed over and i was seeing images of that i would know specifically what it is but it's like those things we become really attached to so that's a lot of yeah yeah his stuff he feels you Basically. Yeah.
0: I would sit in that chair with my shirt off to like feel the fabric on my back because of the texture is so good.
1: It's really good. It is a very good like.
0: And it was also when I got it, it was missing two buttons. Uh, so like the back had like buttons like to separate it into like four little pleats. Um, but it's missing two buttons. So there's just like two pleats on one side. <laughs> uh...
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good chair.
0: It's a good chair. I, I hate to see it go, but I think it's time. It's been 100 years, chair.
1: I think it's time. I think he wants to be retired and go be with his person. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Chair, for seeing me through the darkest times (laughs) in my
1: life. Um, Yeah.
0: This has been our series on psychometry. um, Connecting souls through objects. Um, Hit us up on Patreon. And Elle will do a reading for you on the show using whatever divination method we're covering. Patreon.com slash Mansi. Also, if you like the show, please share with your friends. The more support we have, the more episodes we can make. If you like my writing, you can pick up books at rjwalkerpoet.com.
1: If you want to get a reading from me, you can find me on my Twitter at Laurels of Lux or on my Etsy at Laurels of Lux. If you cannot afford to get a reading but you desperately want one, just follow me on Twitter. I do reading giveaways all the time. I do them in exchange for donations, and I also do daily readings that are coming back. So definitely follow me there.
0: The music was provided by, in order of appearance, Hayden Fulker, Artie Vinka,
1: and Scott Buckley.